Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good evening, everybody. How are y'all doing? It's a little bit of a, uh, (laughs) I feel bad saying that sometimes. Also being a little upbeat when the world is going through what it's going through. But we can hold two opposite emotions at the same time. The dialectics, that is the world. Multiple truths can all coexist, believe it or not. In fact, there's an entire theory, DBT, dialectical behavioral therapy, that is rooted in that holding the tension of opposites, very Jungian. But that's what we need to do. You know, look in one direction, we see and we feel and we acknowledge all the pain, the darkness, the grief, the loss that's happening. And at the same time, we have to hold space for what's in the other direction, which is some really beautiful, joyful things that are co-occurring. And it's about attending to both, making room for both. Neither one would be more real than the other, you know, and the world is often like that. Um, I was doing some reading. <laughs> I'm always doing a lot of reading. It's funny when people are like, what'd you do this weekend? I'm like, I read. I did a lot of things. I got out into the world. I battled the heat. Saw some friends, hiked. It was a whole bunch of stuff. But um, I was kind of looking at a lot of neurology and really trying to weave it into my my own work. And you know, we talked about this a little bit on the show when we would talk about happiness and how it is that we really bring that into our lives. And I was sharing about the fact that our brains are really geared towards negativity. It's a protective mechanism. It's an evolutionarily built in protective mechanism where we really need to be more aware and really install negative events for, you know, safety. And so our brain doesn't require much for a negative or bad event to be encoded powerfully. However, positive things, eh, not so much. Our brain doesn't really need to remember and hold on to positive things, but yet it does for our mental health, but our brain isn't about mental health, it's about safety and protection. So all that to say, when we want to, what we call install neurologically, a positive feel-good experience, you can't just bump into it. This actually came intuitively to me. I remember a long time ago, I was at a concert and it was a band that I'm a huge fan of, Fleetwood Mac. It's a band that me and my family would travel the country, uh, meeting up in different cities to see these concerts together. Really beautiful family memory. Um, and I remember that I would, while at a concert with a musician that I loved, <clears throat> I would try to really install it into my body, not realizing that's what I was doing. And while I was there in front of the stage, you know, the music is in your body, it's in your psyche, it's in your soul, your favorite performer is right there in front of you, sometimes but a few feet away. 
And I would try to say, wow, really, really, really sit with this experience, really take it in, remember to take it in, remember to both be present, but also to observe it and take it in so as to take it with you. It's easy to just blow through some experiences and then they're not really still with us because our brain, if it's a positive experience, we need to savor it. We need to sit with it for 60, 90 or more seconds to really encode it. And there's a whole neurological process behind all this, but essentially we have to, as they say, these are, these are some of the academic concepts about installing positive experiences, which is why things like writing a gratitude list and thinking on the bright side, they don't really work because they literally, they don't penetrate and we can't take them with us. I, I think they're great activities, but we need to install them so as to have it really impact our mind. Because remember, we can use our mind to change our brain. What we put our attention on and how much time we hold something in our attention really rewires our brain. Um, it builds new neural connections. Remember that repeated patterns of whatever we're focusing on builds in our neurostructure. Our brain is neuroplasticity. The fact that our brains can change and grow throughout the entire lifespan is experience dependent. So it's about learning. And basically what that means is, like I said, negative things within split seconds are built in and they're carried with us. Something like a gratitude list isn't going to be taken with you unless you do what they say, which is we need to enrich it. We need to absorb it. And that basically means the duration of time that we sit with it or hold it, the intensity of our experience of it, what they call multi-modality, which means feeling in your body, really bringing the senses in with it, and the personal relevance. Those are the factors that will determine whether or not we take a positive experience with us. So back to my concert example, instead of just, I mean, number one, if you're boozing and taking drugs, you're going to leave the concert behind. That's a bummer. Go to concerts and really big events that you want to take with you sober because state dependent learning matters, which is a whole theory based on whatever state you're in when you learn something is in theory, the state you'll need to be in to also retrieve it. So they're saying if you study for an exam while drinking coffee and listening to music, try to drink coffee and listen to music when you take the exam as well. That's that whole theory is for another show. But basically my point is when I was at the concert, I was like, I want to really take this into my body. And so I would just stand there for a minute and with full attention on what was happening around me, I would try to really feel it and sit with it and hold it. And even to this day, I can retrieve some of those experiences. So again, if you want to really rewire your brain to think positively um, and to hold positive experience and have more access to them and to remember them, you have to hold them with a longer duration. You have to really try to bring your senses into it. You have to try to add some intensity and you have to really sit with it. So um, anyway, enough about that. <laughs> going to take uh, some time. And when we come back, coming up next, we are going to talk about grief and loss, how to deal with it based on all that's going on in the world around us. Not, not the happiest of topics, but there's a lot to learn in this. We're going to talk about it from the perspective of generalization, but also the loss of relationships. So a lot of grief and loss going on in the world around us and in our personal lives and relationships. We're going to talk about perspectives, tips, and tricks, and ways to better cope coming up next. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. 
Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all right we are back and uh talking about grief and loss i wanted to kind of start by talking about it in terms of relationship and then I'll bridge, bridge broaden, expand out. I can't even put the thoughts together today uh, into, we're going to start with relational, relational perspective, relational loss, grief around that. And then we'll expand out into just generalized, just some generalized thoughts. Um, so this applies to anyone who's lost a friend, lost a loved one, lost a family member, family member, lost someone that they are in a, you know, more serious committed relationship. And there's things we can do. Um, to help us grieve, grieve the loss of what's happened. I want to first just normalize it. We have different diagnostic terms that tend to pathologize grief or loss if they extend after a certain length of time. There is no right length of time for which to grieve. I want to just get that out of the way. We have tried to say, well, if it's longer than this, then it's complicated. You know what? That's a mess. We're pathologizing a natural healthy process. We're supposed to feel bad when we love people that are important to us. And the more they meant to us, the more pain we're going to have. And as I spoke to my mom a lot about when my father passed, you won't get over it. You'll just learn to live with it. Um, healing from loss doesn't mean you'll forget. We have memory. It's associative. You will re you will be reminded. That's, that's a beautiful part of grief and loss is that you will get to spend time with them again in your memory. The dark side of that is that a lot of sad feelings will come with it. That doesn't mean you're not healing or getting over it. We, these terms are very vague. We don't get over things. We will remember, we will hold them with us. In the earlier segment, I was talking about how negative experiences are very quickly and easily encoded. We have memory and it locks onto things. It's a sponge. Things will remind us, enjoy and value those memories. Even if they have sadness tied to them, that is when you get to spend time with that person again, symbolically. 
but you will learn to live with it. You will be different moving forward, different, transformed, changed. We have things like post-traumatic growth, even theories around the way that something quote unquote traumatic can actually enhance us, give us skills, learning tools, expansion, but don't be afraid of those feelings. There's no right length of time, but there are some things we can think about as a way to help us get back to the lives we want to lead. Because that's the only concern I have is not that you'll at times again, be reminded or sad. I still six years later, um, when I am reminded or think of something that reminds me of my father, I happily go back into sadness and cry or feel some pain. That reminds me of the love I had, right? Grief and loss is often that love with nowhere to go. And that's also how I symbolically get to spend time with my father. I talk to him all the time, hang out with him all the time. Just because he isn't physically present doesn't mean that he is psychologically or emotionally gone. He's still here. Um, I have my own spiritual beliefs around what happens after we die. And again, I believe that the body isn't us. It's but our vehicle. And we still can exist in other forms and on other levels. I'm not going to get into that. But grief and loss isn't a bad thing. It's not something that's pathological. I really wish we would pull that out of the diagnostic manual. I don't, I don't subscribe to any of that. I don't really subscribe to any of the diagnoses, to be honest. Um, those are supposed to be metaphors and ways to understand and work with. They're not supposed to be a person, but people over-identify diagnosis and say things like, I am borderline. No, you're not. You're someone who meets the criteria that we decided will be this syndrome that falls under this label so we can understand how to work with it. But people have not held it loosely, again, like a metaphor as a way to understand they've made it who they are and we, we grow and we change. We are relationally created. We can outgrow things. Some things are situational contextual. But my point is with grief and loss, there are some things we can do so that we can participate in the world meaningfully. Um, and we can hold both. The work is always about holding both. The work is always about how can I both feel what I'm feeling, think what I'm thinking, remember what I'm remembering, and also continue to move through the world rooted in my values and what's important to me. That is like Eastern philosophy 101. It's the most beautiful thing. It's been around thousands upon thousands of thousands of thousands of years longer than even psychotherapy, which is but like 100 years old. These are deeper truths. Uh, first thing you want to think about, though, with grief and loss is, number one, allowing it and normalizing it. I say that often on the show, mental health is not the absence of anything. Mental health is not the absence of depression or sadness or grief or loss. Mental health is making room for all of your feelings and feeling all of them fully and deeply, all of them, but still being able to meaningfully participate in your life and to not be guided by your feelings. Feelings and thoughts, they inform and they influence and they help motivate but we don't necessarily need to be, act from them or be guided by them. They can just exist. We can say, yes, I'm feeling this or I'm thinking this. And I'm still going to instead be guided by what I think is effective, what I think is relational, and what is really rooted in my value system. And that's what should guide us, our values, not our thoughts and our feelings, our emotions. That will often let you down because a lot of our responses are actually just reactions. They're not choices. And there's a big space, a huge space between a feeling and a thought, and then the action we choose to take. And in that huge space are all these different choices. But a lot of us have no gap and we feel something and we go right to action. And when we are doing what we call mood dependent behaviors, they're often <laughs> very destructive. You know, I'm angry, so I'm gonna do this. I'm sad, so I'm gonna do this. I'm frustrated, so I'm gonna do this. We have to learn how to work with our minds more and say, yes, I'm feeling frustration. And instead of acting on it, I'm going to choose by taking a breath and making a little more space between what I feel and what I do, I'm gonna choose something that is effective 
and moves me towards the goals I have and is rooted in my value system. I'm not going to be led around by what I'm thinking or feeling or what I'm remembering. It's a very powerful, powerful tool. And grief and loss is the same way. I can both be grieving and outwardly mourning because grief is the feeling and mourning is the behavioral demonstration of that grief. I can do both and still go to work. I can do both and still go to the gym. I can do both and still go to coffee or not. Sometimes the healthy thing is to stay home and to sit with it and witness it and attend to it. Other times we carry it with us. Emotional health is often carrying all of these different emotions, positive and negative. They're all just energies with us. As I say, throwing them in our backpack and hitting the streets because we got stuff to do. Um, all right. Coming up next, we're going to keep talking about grief and loss, more of a lens of an interpersonal context, and then we're going to expand out and kind of broaden it. It's an important topic, so stick around for that. And then, of course, we'll be doing some DMs. So if you got a DM for us, drop it in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Love to hear from you all questions, topics, things you want us to circle back, drop deeper into, or just send me a little love. Let me know you're listening and you love. Stick around, though. We'll be back. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. All right, we are back and we're talking about grief and loss. We're talking about it really right now in a interpersonal context, losing a friend, a loved one, someone you care about, and we're just normalizing the experience, but also talking about emotional regulation and tolerance for discomfort at the same time. I'm always weaving in different things, different tips and tricks. So, you know, again, even if this topic doesn't feel directly relatable to you or something you're going through, there's still things you can take out of it that apply to just life and mental health. Um, it's always a little bit of a mishmash, a pastiche, as they say. Uh, it's very uh, postmodern. Okay, so, you know, one of the most difficult parts about losing a relationship, a primary relationship of some kind, a best friend, you know, whatever it is, a loved one, a husband, a wife, is our identity shifts. Who are we? We used to be an us and a we. You know, I even, oh my gosh, this is kind of embarrassing, but it's, I hope, I hope you all hear it as adorable at the same time. Many, 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 many years ago, there was a time when <laughs> we were really big culturally on, uh, I don't, maybe we're still doing this. When two celebrities dated, they would like combine their names into something. Um, I think like JLo and uh, Ben Affleck, Ben Affleck, excuse me, uh, the first time they were together. And I can't even believe I know this stuff. Trust me. I, I, I don't follow um, celebrity gossip because it's gossip and I don't really care about these people's lives. Uh, but we would do like a mashup of their names. So Jennifer Lopez and Ben Affleck was like Benifer or something like that. Anyway, I had a best friend and uh, we were quite a handful. Let me just say that. And we had our own mashup of names. Now, <laughs> even though not everyone does a mashup of their names with a best friend or someone they're in a relationship with, symbolically we do. We think in terms of us and we, and a lot of people associate us together. They'll see one of us, they ask where the other is, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So when a relationship ends or there's some kind of separation, in my example, this best friend moved to the East Coast. And so we were, you know, went from being together three to five nights a week to zero. Uh, there's this identity change. Who am I on my own? Who am I without this person? Who is Benifer when it's just Jennifer, you know? You know? And it's, it's a big deal. It's a disruption. And so the, the, the first piece of work, I believe, when we leave a relationship that was a, pr a primary, you know, center point in our lives, who are we? But bigger than that, I think the, the real beautiful evolution of that question isn't like, who am I? Which really to me feels like a loss and sadness. And it is, and, and, and feel that fully. But I think we need to then evolve it forward into who do I want to become? And also, 
because we're not doing toxic positivity or looking at the bright side. That's gross. We're feeling everything. We're doing the negative and the positive, the dark and the light. But the light, the growth, the movement is who do I want to be? And there's a really, there's a lot of beauty in that question. I now get to decide who I want to evolve into. Who do I want to be next? We're constantly reconstituting and reconstructing our identity. I don't believe in an authentic self. Yes, there are threads of us, temperament, and some other things that we carry around at all times. But we are very much situationally and contextually created. We are very much co-created by the relationships we're a part of. And this is another example of that. You get to decide who you move forward as in your own single identity without that best friend, without that husband, without that girlfriend, uh, whatever it is. Even as people step into new gender identities or new sexual orientations, or they're like, I'm gay now, or I'm bi, or now I'm pan, or I'm sexually fluid. Um, you get to work on that. You get to make that choice. There's something really beautiful in that. We don't have to move to a new city to start over in that way. And I'm not saying it has to be this dramatic, grand thing that people recognize. But you get to decide who you now want to be. And that's that's part of the work that I offer people that get a divorce or, again, leave other important relationships. Or even they leave a job or some kind of title or status or, like I said, gender, sexual orientation. You get to choose who do I want to be as I step into that? Who do I want to be as I move forward? There can be a lot of beauty in that and also a lot of sadness. Because, again, we, we might have been identified with or anchored to um, something that's no longer with us or no longer available or no longer accessible. That's meaningful. Um, I think another important step is newness, challenging our brains to not atrophy and to not only be saturated and surrounded by grief and loss. This is where I'm weaving in some neuroscience. What we place our attention on will be what rewires and impacts our brain. We want to feel our feels. We want to focus on the loss. We can be sad. We can feel all that, engage all that. But we also at the same time want to take the power of and harness this idea that our brain is going to be a sponge and we want to also challenge it and keep it thriving and keep our lives excited and, and, and have vitality and joy by also saying, as a result of what I've lost, or just as a result of the fact that I've experienced loss, what new ideas, what new attitudes, what new routines do I want to step into as a way to re-energize and awaken my life at this time when the loss, like for so many of us, makes me want to kind of harden, lean away, or shrink down. And there's a beauty in allowing some of that, but that's not honest because we also want to still stay open and stay soft and lean into life and into the world. Often when we most want to shut down, harden and lean out is when we need to do contrary action. We want to stay soft. We want to stay open always. And that's why I say, even when I have my heart broken, I'm going to still love hard, stay open, go all in and chase the next option and opportunity. Cause I'd rather be someone who loves hard and crashes hard than who plays it safe. And I'm playing it safe. Also downplays the beauty of that love can bring. All right. We'll uh, be back coming up next. We're going to slide in those DMs. You're listening to love line with Dr. Chris on channel Q and odyssey stick around. All right, we are back, and now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. DMs come from our Loveline IG page. Questions, topics, things you want us to cover, circle back, drop deeper into, explain more, whatever's on your mind, let us know. No question too big, no question too small, always anonymous. Helping someone else out as you're helping yourself out, drop them on us, Loveline IG page. All right, this one says, hey, Dr. Chris, my partner and I are trying to explore in the bedroom. Use of toys. But it's very intimidating. Bum, bum, bum. They're definitely more into it than I am. 
but I really want to let my guard down. Any tips, tricks, or suggestions to get more confident? So a couple points I always try to make known when we're talking about anything sexually based, but especially this, be, be honest. I, I, I want it to be who you really are, what really feels good to you, what really seems arousing, what really seems exciting. So confidence is usually built with uh, education and familiarity. So education would mean take your time to educate yourself. What's possible? What exists? There's so many different kinds of toys, ones that are more vibrators, ones that are more penetrative, uh, some that are for the front, some that are for the back, some that are erectile, some that uh, all different kinds of things. Um, I'm not going to get into all of them. So just get a little education. And the second piece is familiarity, using them. Get some and use them with yourself. That's one of the best ways to be confident before using with a partner. So use it on yourself and with yourself. It's also a way to kind of build in some eroticism by bringing it into your solo sexuality and your masturbation. So that's a way to get familiar. And then again, using with a partner, I also recommend watching porn that involves the use of that toy. Another good way to see what it looks like, how it's used, where it can go. So Google, type into your little porn search engine, you know, that toy. Also the websites that these toys are sold on, uh, sold on. Some of them will include videos. So first one again is education. Second one again, familiarity. And then third, find things that actually turn you on and then you won't have to really overthink it because the best sex is sex that's rooted in what, what we enjoy, what we want to do. The best sex is when you're looking at that partner in front of you and you say, what would turn me on to imagine doing to them? And that is what I do. Always, of course, with consent and compassion and care, but be honest, be guided by what really turns you on. And then you don't have to overthink it. Um, I tell a lot of couples go to a sex boutique together or go on to an online sex boutique and really say what turns you on, pull it up, talk about it, read the description, um, watch some videos, ask your partner, what would turn them on? What would they love to see you having used on you? What would they love to see you using on them? What have they tried before in the past? And remember the facts that come out of this are as important as the process of you two talking about it because that's hot and that can turn you on just talking about it, imagining doing it, watching a porn of two individuals or more individuals using them. And then also just the intimacy that's built by stepping into that vulnerability. Talking about what turns us on in our sexuality is one of the most beautifully intimate things we can do. Be thoughtful about who you discuss those things with. Not everyone is mature enough and emotionally healthy enough to talk about it. Some people will get triggered, uncomfortable. So, you know, it's a, it's a developmental stage between you and this partner. But familiarity is what's really going to breed the, the confidence, but also so is trusting your, your partner. There is no wrong way to do sex. There is no right way to do it. It's just about fun. Just have fun. Play, play, have fun. See where it goes. Sometimes we don't actually even use the toy. We just hold it. We just look at it. And a lot of these toys can be used on your entire body, especially something that vibrates. Every part of our body has the capacity to give us pleasure. And maybe you want to ask your partner, what would you love to see me use on you? What would you love to see yourself use on me? It's reciprocal. It's not just, you know, the vagina owner has the toys used on them. Penis owners also can enjoy the use of toys everywhere, vibrating, penetratively, all sorts of stuff. So again, remember, it's the toy and learning about your partner, but it's also learning about yourself through this process. And then bigger than that, learning about the two of you as a couple, what you can tolerate, how much comfort you can handle, and really leaning into that arousal. But luckily, we're in a day and age where there's a lot of resources, so it shouldn't be very hard for you to uh, find something um, video wise that really shows you how it's used and also a good sex boutique there's people that are working there that'll kind of explain to you um, and can kind of take you on a little tour but again i really want it to be rooted in what really turned you on so it's that honest authentic part i think is most valuable so um, don't perform 
You know, we're not performing anything. We're just being and we're expressing. So good luck with that. But I like your question. You know, that, that little switch, just adding one little new or novel thing can be something that really amps up the sex life. It's the small things that matter, truly. Um, all right, coming up next, we're going to keep talking about grief and loss. So stick around for that. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. All right, y'all, we are back and we're talking about grief and loss. We're talking about it really in an interpersonal context, losing someone we care about, losing a primary relationship, a friend. It doesn't really matter. That's that's the interesting thing of grief and loss. It doesn't matter how you knew them or how long you knew them. And we need to stop shaming that. Oh, well, they weren't even really a good friend of yours or you were only dating for a few months. That has nothing to do with the impact they had on us. That has nothing to do with the grief and loss we're going to feel. You could have known someone for a day and for whatever reason, it was meaningful, it was powerful, they penetrated and you really noticed their absence. It doesn't have to make sense. It's not about making sense. Feel your feelings. Don't let people illegitimize and negate it. I hated that back in the day. I'd be really sad about a breakup. They'd be like, you only dated for a few months. And I'd be like, that is so invalidating and so unkind. Like, just be present to what I'm feeling. And, And even when a celebrity dies or a public figure that you've never met, you don't know, that doesn't mean they don't play an important role in your life somehow. Maybe you symbolically spent a lot of time with them by reading their books, listening to their music, following their career. Maybe they were deeply impactful on you and and became somewhat of a guru or a role model or an idol and you looked up to them. I don't know. Maybe they kept you company. There's times where in really deep, dark, depressive times, I was kept company by certain films or certain musicians. And I have a a powerful, symbolic, emotional relationship to them. It's meaningful. And I would definitely feel their loss or absence powerfully. Allow that. So this applies to so many different things, the loss of a pet, all sorts of stuff. So we were just talking about working on your identity and dealing with the loss of that and then saying, who do I want to become? Before the break, we were also talking about allowing our brain to re-energize and awaken and lean in and stay open and stay soft and say to yourself, what are some new ideas, new attitudes, new routines, new places, people and things that I can build into my life, knowing that at these times of grief and loss, we most need newness and novelty. Why? Because that's the most exciting thing. And again, that can bring some joy back in our lives. And it can remind us to hold both. We're trying to hold both at the same time. We're making room for everything. There is no right emotion or wrong emotion. There is no good emotion or bad emotion. There's no negative emotion or positive emotions. They're all good. They all communicate. Uh, We have to make room for all of them. But again, at times of grief and loss, new things are really meaningful for us. Again, they bring joy, they awaken us. So allow that. Um, Another thing I remind people is to take time off, to take time away from life, to take time to step outside of responsibilities, however you can. If you can take time off from work, do it. If you can take time off from childcare, do it. If you can take time off from some social responsibilities, do it. Call it in. Sorry, I, I know I'm the president of the book club. I need the week off. I know to your boss, I'm dealing with some grief and loss. It's a mental health issue. I know you're all about mental health, so I know you'll understand. I need the week off. Whatever it is, take the week off. Sleep. Right. Eat nourishing foods. Eat your feelings. We're allowed to eat our feelings. I know. What? Yes. We can eat ice cream because it brings joy to our face. We want to let ourselves be where we are. We're going to sleep in. We're going to watch movies. Whatever you need to do, do it. The self-care pieces. We don't want to lean onto the drugs and alcohol because those tend to have detrimental and negative impacts. We're doing self-care, which means it's things that make us feel good or at least neutral. Um, And we want to have flexibility of resources, but um, do what you need to do. Sometimes we need to honor some time away from the world and leaning out. Just like I said, I want us to honor leaning in and staying soft. 
we also might need to be focusing more on just being with ourselves because we don't have the energy to put out into the world or to others or into our jobs or our hobbies or the gym or whatever else we think we need to do. We need to be conserving our energy and our focus in times of grief and loss. 100%. It should be directed back at ourselves for our, to sit with our grief and loss, to feel it fully. We cannot attend to and feel fully our grief and loss if we are too busy focusing on our kids, our job, the gym, grocery shopping. Try to, if you can, for those that can, offload that for as long as you can so you can actually work through your feelings. We live in a culture capitalism and productivity where we want you to stuff it and get back to work. That is not good for our emotions. We need to ride them out to completion. That is how we have unresolved grief and loss because we had to get right back to work. We had to drop the kids off or whatever else we thought we had to do. Nothing should come before these natural healthy processes, but our culture doesn't care. We got money. Time is money. That's a mess. That's a mess. Let the house be messier. Get to work later. Go in not with as done up or as hair fixed as it normally would. Put your energy towards yourself in your healing process, please. That was hard, but I had to do that as well. Basically turned my phone off the last time I really went through some grief and loss. And I was like, the energy can't be going out to others and what they need. The world will survive without me for a few days. People have got their needs met before me. They will get their needs met without me for this little bit of time. So whatever ways you can, take the energy and focus back towards yourself. That is mandatory. And I work with my clients on figuring out how we can do that, how they can do that while also working on this identity change and trying to, when ready, find some ways to step into something that's awakening, re-energizing, some new things, some novelty, going to some new restaurants, some new places. For me, I was going to new coffee shops. I signed out some new people, just trying to stay connected while also leaning back out at times and just really being with myself. Um, all right, we're going to, um, when we come up next, we're going to get back to talk about some of this and then we're going to kind of generalize because grief and loss is a theme that I think is occurring for many people all around us. So definitely join us uh, for that. We'll be back and uh, then we'll be doing some DMs. So if you got some DMs for us, boom, 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 questions, topics, things you want us to circle back to, drop it in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. All right, we are back and uh, just kind of talking about grief and loss right now. We're talking about in, in, in terms of an interpersonal dynamic. And that's just basically the loss of any relationship, you know, close, distant, far, doesn't matter. We all go through the same stages and steps. Um, we were talking before the break about trying to take time off so our energy and focus can go on ourselves and what we need in our healing. We're in our culture, we're told to stuff it and get back to work and get the kids to school and go grocery shopping. All these things that really complicate our grieving process and don't allow us to complete the natural healthy process. And that's why a lot of us have it lingering on and on and popping up at strange time and strange way in strange ways because we don't have healthy rituals. We aren't given the opportunity to do that. They're like, all right, well, the funeral's tomorrow and then, you know, get back to it. And it's like, oh my God, every time we lose an important figure in our lives, we should be able to take the time we need. I want to live in that kind of world. But then it'd be quick chaos. Nothing would get done. No, nothing that's not meaningful wouldn't. Like all the meaningful things would still get done. We would have people stepping in to help us. We just don't live like that. So we got to try to find ways to kind of carve that out and take that. Like I said, when I could, I would take time off. I would turn off my phone and I would just be and feel, feel all of it. The other thing is like the narrative you put on. And I know this is a little bit of a strange spin, but 
you know, we, we, we're, we're, we're meaning making machines and the narrative we place on certain situations can be part of what helps us heal or not heal. And we want to always be honest and live in reality, but you also get to decide the story and how you're going to tell it and also when you're going to tell it. So work on cr creating a narrative around who that person was to you. That's both honest, but also maybe as a healing component. And sometimes that often applies more to leaving a romantic relationship or a marriage um, and leaving, just focusing on the negative and the anger isn't is both not honest and it doesn't leave us feeling good. And you, and as hard as it is, you want us to look at what are the things you learned? What are the things that were meaningful and beautiful? What are the things that you glad you got to have for that duration of time? Um, the worth of a relationship isn't tied to the length of time it exists. That's not, that's not what it's about. It's about what it was, what kind of person or partner you were, what kind of transformation occurred. And sometimes it was only for a few years, but it still has beauty to it. Again, the worth of something isn't tied to its length of time that it exists. It's the meaning. It's what you got from it. It's how you were transformed. It's what you take away with you. So don't don't illegitimize or undermine something because it was just short term. But I was also saying that at the beginning of the show about grief and loss. Sometimes people will try to like invalidate your pain because you didn't know them well or you didn't know them at all or it wasn't that long that you were dating or married. It's like, that's just gross. Let people feel what they feel based on what's going on for them. Don't, like there's nothing constructive or meaningful in trying to like undermine it. You know, because what the person who's trying to, the person who does that to someone who's in pain or grieving, that's them expressing, I'm not comfortable with your process. I'm not comfortable with your what, what you're feeling. I can't go through it with you or contain it or witness it. So I'm going to try to shut it down and tell you to just feel better and get over it. It's like we, we can't be around those people in those moments then. But I'll, I'll say this before we kind of expand out into generalized grief and loss. Um, you have to stay soft and you have to stay open. And I was saying that in an earlier segment, when we are in pain, when we are disappointed, when we've been let down or injured or wounded by the loss of a friend, a loved one, you know, a relationship, we want to harden and we want to close. We have to stay open and stay soft and we have to try again and we have to push forward because when we close down that, we close down a lot more. And when we harden, we also harden to other things. And so Oof, sit with that pain, but stay soft. So just generalizing, I wanted to just give a few sound bites and whatnot to remind us of how to really approach this. I said this at the beginning of the show, grief and mourning, but grief, you know, grief is the internal experience. Mourning's the way we act it out or demonstrate our grief or our pain. Grief is not a mental illness <laughs> ever. No emotion is a mental illness. All of them are appropriate. All of them are healthy. Um, we're not supposed to not ever be angry or sad or depressed or anxious. We are supposed to be angry at times. We are supposed to be depressed. We are supposed to be anxious. That's life. It's called being a human. Even while on medications, you're going to feel those things. We're not trying to not feel those things. We have to learn how to better tolerate and allow them. The work isn't on getting rid of them or even decreasing it. The work is how do I allow and make room for all of my emotions and feelings and still be participating in the life fully. And that's what therapy is about. But our culture is very anti-grief and we want to find a solution to it. Oh my God, they're grieving. How do we like create a diagnosis or a treatment plan or a medication? Oh my God, the work should be, how do I, how do I help them be a companion to this? How do I help them make room for it and allow it? There no solution is needed. The solution would, if anything, be support that pain, help them, help them find a way to kind of, like I said, put it in their backpack and carry it with them. Um, it doesn't pain, pain and grief don't need fixing. They don't need solutions. They need support. They need care. 
this, this pain isn't something that needs to be fixed. And we have to allow it to open something in us. It speaks to how important that person was. What can we learn from it? How, who do we want to be and how do we want to be? But again, we have to learn to allow that pain. But we don't want to make it into suffering. And, that's, and we do that when we then shame our experience of the pain or the grief. When we say, I feel bad, I miss this person, and I shouldn't be feeling bad or missing them. That's a complication. Don't do that. Instead, we need to tend to it and support it and allow it. I can't say that enough. We have to sit with pain and not pathologize. And that's where we go to the movie that I love because it's the most beautiful demonstration of this. Um, there's a lot of beauty in this film, Lars and the Real World. It's a Ryan Gosling film. It's an indie film earlier in his career. And there's a lot of amazing things embedded in there that are subtle commentaries on mental health. I love it. But there's this one scene where he loses the love of his life who happens to be an, an inanimate object. It is not a human, it's a doll. And the doll is a place filler and supporting him as a transitional object until he's ready to reconnect with a human. It's so beautiful. But she passes, he symbolically has her die because he's ready to move on. And when he's grieving, someone says, well, what do we do? And a wise elder, which is why I love aging, you get to hopefully step into wisdom, the wise elder says, we sit, we just sit, we sit with him. That's it. We don't need to fix anything or change anything. We just sit with him. We bear witness. We create a container. We hold it with him. You know, we're companions with him. We just sit. That's what I say to people when they're like, oh, I'm visiting someone in the hospital or someone who's ill. Just sit, just be, just be less doing. So American of us to always want to do. All right. Coming up next, we're going to continue talking about grief and loss. So stick around. You'll listen to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. All right, we're back and we're just finishing up talking about grief and loss. It's interesting. There's this word, it's a buzzword. It's called bypassing, psychological bypassing, spiritual bypassing. And it, it it's applied to any attempt to not have to do the work or feel something, but instead to skirt around it. And that's what toxic positivity is. Instead of saying, tell me what's going on or let's sit in your pain. Let's, let's let it finish its process because all emotions have a natural process. And if we just let the flow happen and ride the wave, it will subside. The bypassing is feel better let's go do something and it's basically saying it's not okay to feel that or I can't tolerate feeling it with you or what you're feeling is bad or wrong it's an invalidation and I see it starts from childhood you know a kid comes home from a rough day at school and instead of the parents saying tell me about your day I'm here for you let me teach you how to sit with feelings and not be afraid of them and I'll help co-regulate instead they're like ah go play a video game you'll feel better here just eat these cookies I made you'll feel better or just go outside and play and basically what they're saying is feelings are bad people aren't there to help you process and whatever you do, when you feel something, find a way to get rid of it or distract. We need to do the opposite. Come here. Let's sit down and talk about it. What are you feeling? Oh, sadness. I know. I've been there. Tell me a little bit more. Where do you feel it in your body? What is that like? And, and you're saying to them, emotions aren't bad. You don't have to be afraid of them. And people are there to help you co-regulate. Remember, the presence of another person is the most powerful anchoring regulating force, more so than what we can do on our own. Co-regulation is better than self-regulation. That's why I get all worked up when people shame people that are in close relationships or they use words like, well, that's codependent behavior. Oh my God, you're denying the important relationality. We grow and develop within relationships. That's how we are at our most robust. We don't want to shame that. We need that. Um, so spiritual bypassing is this whole idea that we're trying to like get away from feeling the natural healthy pain. And instead, um, we need to sit in it. The way through is by going all the way in. You got to go deeper. 
You know, that's what, that's what we need things, practices, people, and conversations that help us go deeper. Because again, healing and emotional intelligence is about feeling your feeling fully, feeling all of them. There's some spiritual practices that have gotten really misunderstood and, and even mental health where people think that like, it's about always being happy or always feeling good. Oh dear God, that's the absence of mental health. Someone's bypassing. Someone is shaming and pathologizing one whole set of the human experience. What a bummer. You know, that's not what it's supposed to be about. And even with the stages of grief, the stages of grief and loss, Kubler-Ross, the stages don't fit for everyone. There are no actual stages. And again, remember, those stages were about people that were experiencing their own process of dying. It was for people that were going through the process of, you know, near death and in hospice or in the hospital. It was never about people uh, witnessing or going through the loss of someone else. It was your experience of your own loss of self, you going through the, the readiness for death. Um, so that's why we always have to step away from that. That was people, uh, Kubler-Ross wrote it while working with people that have terminal illnesses. Um, trying to destigmatize their own process. And those models have just lost their way and gotten misapplied. Um, Kubler Ross herself later wrote some work saying that she regretted the way the stages were mistook and misunderstood and that they're not linear, they're not universal. Um, so it doesn't, the whole point in saying that is just to say, be on your individual journey and your individual process. Don't try to fix or don't try to align with what a book has told you or someone else. Um, that's how we make people feel worse. That's how we complicate it. You know, sit with the pain. Um, and stop being so solution oriented. But again, that's very American of us. We feel like we have to do something. What am I supposed to do? Everything has to be improved. I have to, I have to improve it. I have to fix it. What's the solution? Oh my God, just be. That's the problem with even a lot of things, especially within sex. You know, when people get all hung up on erectile dysfunction, they're like, what do I do? I need to operate a certain way. No, you don't. Be in your body. Be with your experience. Be with what is. Stop trying to improve everything and fix everything. It's getting in the way of our mental health. Pain does not need solutions. It needs support. That's, that's something that's going to, we're going to encounter it at all stages and phases of our lives. And we have to be able to tolerate it. So that's why I always say it starts in our youth. And then we step into like our gender. And if you're a man, well, that further pulls you away from your ability to feel all your feelings and express them. And then we start internalizing it. And that's when we start doing self-injurious things like drinking and eating it away and self-injury and all of these other things. Our, our gender's in there, um, our socioeconomics, because then we have respectability politics. We don't act like that, or we have a stiff upper lip, or we're not, you know, we're not a dramatic, messy family. All these, these different threads kind of get woven in there to really constipate our emotional processing and our ability to deal with grief and loss. So let her rip. Um, I'm always, as I've said on the show many, many times, I'm always trying to cry more and cry more in public at whatever's going on for me to normalize that there shouldn't be any shame in expressing pain or sadness or grief or disappointment. We, we have to get better about seeing it, better about demonstrating it, better about stepping into and encountering it. It's a vital part of life, y'all. All right, coming up next, we're going to be uh, sliding into those DMs. So if you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. That's questions, topics, things you want us to circle back, drop deeper into. Whatever you're wondering about, someone else might be as well. So you're helping them as you're helping yourself. 
Um, so yes, put that in the DMs on our Loveline IG page and give us a follow back. And past episodes of the show, if you want to um, go back to all the goodies, it's uh, go to wearechannelq.com, scroll down, look for Loveline, and click on it. You can binge, post, share, re-listen. Um, yep, DMs coming up next. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around, y'all, because we will be right back. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. All right, y'all. We are back. Now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Got a DM for us, a question, a topic, something you want us to drop back into, deeper into, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. We'd love to hear from you. Always keep them confidential, but uh, that's where these uh, questions come from. So participate. Don't just be a listener. All right, this one says, hey, Dr. Chris, my name is Emily, and I'm in an open relationship with my boyfriend. We've laid really good ground rules and boundaries for this relationship, and it was going really well at first. One of our boundaries was that if we were starting to become more interested in someone else, we would tell each other so that feelings didn't get hurt or we could at least discuss what's next. Recently, I've been seeing another female and she is great. See, that's the beauty. We open relationships for a multitude of reasons so we can have experiences that are just new, experiences that are different, no matter how much we love or are attracted to our other partner or partners, they can't provide what other people will provide. We don't always eat at the same restaurant. We don't always watch the same movie. We don't listen to the same song. We like different songs, different genres, different meals, different restaurants. We have different friends. They all add something different to our lives. So I love that. Um, back to what you're saying. Uh, boundaries, awesome. Rules, awesome. Bum, bum, bum. Uh, starting to meet someone new. Sorry, I got lost in the story. Recently, you started seeing another female. She's great. I don't really know what I was expecting, but I didn't think I would fall for a girl. And I definitely am. I guess my question is, is it immoral? Oh, I don't like that word because <laughs> morals are usually socially and culturally created. They're not rooted in ethics, which in my definition, everyone has a different definition. Ethics are our hours that we choose and they're healthy. Morals tend to be rooted in culture and they tend to be kind of off a little white, a little hetero, a little sexist, sex negative, but we'll stick with your word. 
Um, what did you say? You said, uh, I guess my question is, is it immoral to be in a relationship with a man and a woman at the same time? Or is that too close to the boundary and I should tell my boyfriend? I don't wait. I don't understand. Your, is it immoral to be in a relationship with a man and a woman at the same time? What do you, it, if you're, if, if you and your partner are primary partners and your open style is just about casual sex with others and you want to have a more committed, serious relationship with this person, which then means you want to go from open to poly. Poly means multiple ongoing relationships. All are of worth and value and legitimate. Yeah, you need to talk to your partner about that. Consensual non-monogamy. Anytime you open your relationship, you want to you know let your primary know if that's, if that's what you have. Um, but it's not immoral to be with two people of op opposite genders. I'm not sure if that's what you're asking. Uh, so there's nothing wrong with being with two men, a man and a woman, five men, five women. I mean, whatever you have the time and energy for, but make sure you're being open about it with your partner that it's not just a casual sex partner, which is what the agreement is for some open relationships, but that in fact you are poly and want multiple primary ongoing relationships. And one of them is with this woman who you've fallen for. Talk about it, own it, um, let your partner share you know, his feelings and see where it takes you. But that's that's part of this journey. But that happens even if you're monogamous. You can meet someone that you'd love to be with romantically or sexually. And when you're open and you're also able to have sex, you can sometimes find out about more compatibility and depth and meaning and worth. So I don't know what your question was 100% asking, if it's about okay being with two genders, or if you mean, can I be with both and not let them know? I, I, I somehow kind of missed the question in there. But Consent and care is what I say. So just check in with your partner on what's going on and uh, see where that takes y'all. And again, it's not just about the conversation. It's also about monitoring your relationship and how you're impacting your partner. So as you're having that conversation, track them, how you're inf impacting them. Let them vocalize their feelings. It's about honoring that primary relationship as well. And the ability to have these kinds of difficult conversations makes me confident that you can have other difficult conversations. And sometimes these conversations aren't a one-off. They're an ongoing thing that we constantly check in on and circle back to, you know? So um, I hope that was helpful. I didn't 100% get that question. Open styles, y'all. There's more. There's more of them coming. Tons of books, great books. Do some education. Sounds like you could learn a lot, maybe. Sounds like you're new to this. Get some of those books. There's some awesome ones that'll really help you better understand some ideas, some structures, uh, some questions to ask, way to encounter some of these topics that tend to come up. Um, do some reading. I'm, I'm a big fan of people educating themselves on whatever it is that they're about to try or step into in whatever domain of life that is. All right, y'all, that is our show. Got a damn for a strap in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. We'll be back tomorrow night, so join us then. And past episodes of Loveline are over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for the show, click on it. You can binge, post, share, re-listen. As always, y'all, thanks for hanging out, and you all enjoy the rest of your night. Good night. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. (laughs) 